I want to open up with a story that many of us have heard before. It's the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, but there's some very famous words in the story that I believe are so powerful for not just Jesus and Zacchaeus personally, but for us here at New Hope Community Church. Today, salvation has come to this house. These are the words of Jesus to Zacchaeus. The moment that Zacchaeus went from being an untouchable sinner and thief to a saved saint in the eyes of God. This is an amazing moment between Jesus and Zacchaeus, this intimate moment where Zacchaeus had all the guilt, all the burden of shame and guilt and sin lifted off of his shoulders, physically and metaphorically and spiritually. And all of a sudden he felt the, the salvation and the grace of God for the very first time. But I believe that these words, today salvation has come to this house, this needs to also be a pinnacle moment in the life of our church here at New Hope Community Church as well. That we need to take these words to heart. And I'm going to get to that in a minute about why. But I want to read for us the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. You can follow along on the screen. But we start in Luke chapter 19 and it says this. Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're so judgmental. But Zacchaeus, he stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who was Zacchaeus? I know in a lot of our minds, we're probably already going back to Sunday school when we were little kids or to Bible camp in the summer and we're singing the, the wee little man was Zacchaeus song. Funny, I don't even, as a pastor, I don't even know the song. So I'm referencing a song I don't even know. But a lot of us, we go back to that mind, to that song. But for me, that song reminds me of like those old nursery rhymes that we sing to our toddlers or in our babies when they're little. Like my daughter, she loved to do Ring Around the Rosie. She's right over there. She's so cute. But we do Ring Around the Rosie in the living room, and she loves it. We all fall down, right? Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. It's so fun to sing about the great plague they called Black Death, isn't it? That's what that song's about. Or London Bridge is falling down, right? London Bridge is falling down. You know, people died, but it's a great nursery rhyme, right? This reminds me of Zacchaeus. We oftentimes sort of, you know, we make a kid version of all these Bible stories. You know, Noah's Ark was a story, but all the animals, but people were flooded. <laughs> like it was a terrible story of destruction. And in Zacchaeus, yes, he was a wee little man. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, but he's a broken man. He's a man with a dark and broken and sinful soul. The Bible says that he is a chief tax collector. Now, I know a lot of us, we already hate the IRS, but Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, which makes him very wealthy. And here's how he gets all of his wealth. Whenever people come to the census and they report their, you know, how many people are living in their household and here's their taxes that they got to pay, men like Zacchaeus, who are the chief tax collectors, they'd be like, oh, you know, there's actually a, you know, if you're a bean farmer, for example, there's actually a 10% increase in your taxes if you, if you sold beans this year. And they'd be like, what? And they're like, yeah, so you got to pay it. And then they would pocket that 10% as profit. 
So tax collectors, you know, we call them thieves today because <laughs> it feels like, man, we pay way too much in taxes. But this was really the reality of these people back in Jesus' day. And Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He said he was very wealthy because this is how he made his money. He stole from people. And so he walked around in nice clothes, probably had a nice house, looked really great on the outside. But people hated him. People despised Zacchaeus. It's because it doesn't matter how you look on the outside. It's how you treat people on the inside that truly matters. And Zacchaeus was a man of great sin. He was a man of a terrible reputation. He was a broken and dark soul. But my main theme of my message today is this. Who was Jesus with? Who did Jesus hang out with? It's not the people in verse 7 who began to mutter and like, oh, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. No, it's people like Zacchaeus. And this is where I believe that the words, today salvation has come to this house, needs to be a pinnacle moment in the life and the health of our church today, of New Hope Community Church. We need to recognize how important it is to stay on track, to keep our hands to the plow, and keep going after the messy, the hurting, and the broken sinners of which every single one of us used to be, if not we are today. I think back to my life, and I'm thinking, how could I ever be judgmental towards somebody who's sitting next to me in church? How could I ever be judgmental towards somebody out there in the world just because I know Jesus? I know where I came from. And every single one of us, you know, we probably have the same similar story. We know what our lives were were like before we knew Jesus. We knew and we know the brokenness that we had. How could we ever look at somebody with disgust or judgment? Because we know what it's like to be a sinner without Jesus. And so this is going to be our focus here. And it's been our focus here for almost 20 years as New Hope Community Church. We never want to be a church that turns inward and only focuses on the people that we have and just growing deeper. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is because Jesus was so focused on reaching the messy, the broken, the hurting people like Zacchaeus who who had a terrible reputation. They may have looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were terrible and everybody knew it. But these are the people that Jesus went after. And so I want to speak for a moment on some feedback that not only we've heard here at New Hope, but I've talked to many, many pastors and many, many churches that I've attended that they're very frustrated. They're trying to deal with this feedback of people. And we've been called this here at New Hope, but you know, this is the church that you come to that you want to get when you want to get saved. But if you want to grow deeper in your faith or if you want to grow in your faith, you go somewhere else. And this is not just New Hope, this is tons of churches and pastors that are trying to navigate how do you both bring people to salvation, how do you get people to find Jesus, but also grow deeper in their faith. And oftentimes what we mean when we talk about going deeper is we want more theological words in our sermons. We want more depth. We want to be challenged intellectually. But while that's all well and good, and while I would agree that we need to be challenged intellectually, we need to learn theology, we need to know more of our Bible, we need to know more about God, there's a very big temptation that comes with this whole concept, this idea of we want to go deeper. I want to go deeper in my faith. And here's the temptation. When I was in Bible college studying the Bible five days a week, which was fun yet brutal, One of the best things that I was ever told by one of my professors my freshman year of college was, as you're studying for the next four years here at college, don't let your studying be your time with God. Many of us who are Christians, we have time alone with God. 
It's our devotion time, whatever you want to call it. Maybe it's your journaling time, it's your prayer time, it's your Bible reading time, whatever you want to call it. We have many names for it. But don't ever let your studying the Bible academically replace your time alone with God. You need to be studying for school, but you also need to be getting up early in the morning and and spending time in prayer or doing it at night, whenever you want to do it. But separate those two times because what happens is oftentimes as Christians, we get this in our mind that the more we know about God, the more we know about the Bible, the more that we know about our faith, it must mean that we have a strong faith. It must mean the more we know, the more knowledge we have, the holier we are. But how many of us know that that's not true? Because there are men like Christopher Hitchens, who's a world-renowned atheist. He knows a ton about not only the world scientifically, but he has studied the Bible for years. He's an atheist. And I would bet to believe that he knows more about the Bible than some of us sitting in this room or watching online. And even myself included, I've watched some of his videos where he's talking about, you know, faith versus, you know, um, atheism. He's bringing up stories from the Old Testament that I'm like, hold on, where is that? (laughs) Like, I don't even remember that story. But he's bringing this up like, this guy knows his stuff. And so what's important here is that when we talk about going deeper, we have to be careful not to fall into the temptation of, hey, the more I know, the more God loves me. Or the more I know, the holier I am. We have to separate our, our studying the Bible almost academically, what I did in college, and actually spending time with Jesus. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. There's a big difference in that. And one of the other temptations that comes with wanting to go deeper is oftentimes we start to turn inward as a church. And we get really comfortable with our faith, our friends, and our people. And that completely changes our mindset. We go from wanting to be on mission like Jesus, like Jesus was. He was on mission to seek and to save the lost. Men like Zacchaeus who were hurt and deep, who were hurt deeply and they were, they were broken in their souls. Yet the, the crowd that stood before Jesus and the Pharisees that were there before Jesus that day, they were so concerned with what's Jesus going to say? How can we fight back against him? If you know your Bible, you know that the Pharisees always were trying to trap Jesus. They're always trying to trick Jesus with theological questions and does he know his Bible? And Jesus is just saying, hey, I am here to seek and to save the lost. That is the mission of Jesus. Now, I would also never chastise anybody for wanting to know more about God. I mean, I went to Bible school because I want to know more about God. I want to know more about the Bible. Heck, in my personal time, I'm a nerd, okay? I love to study the Bible. In my personal time, just a couple of weeks ago, I went verse by verse through the whole book of Galatians. I have pages of notes on it. And that's just because I wanted, that was my fun, (laughs) which is kind of, I don't know, maybe you're not into that, but I'm very curious about the Bible. I want to learn more. And so I would never say, hey, that's a bad thing. If you want to learn more, if you want to go deeper, but here's what I want to encourage you with. Going deeper in our faith oftentimes means to us, you know, we want to know more intellectually. But here's what I've kind of experienced in my personal life, and here's what I've seen a lot of people experience in in the church world as well, pastors and lay people, is that oftentimes the depth of our faith, we don't go deeper because we know more. The depth of our faith and the strengthening of our faith, when does it happen? As much as I love to be a preacher, and I'm passionate about preaching. It's one of my forms of worship. I bet you have no idea what I said last month when I preached. (laughs) And that's okay. 
I bet you have no, maybe you could pick out one or two points of Bill's sermon last week or the week before. Now, God does powerful things during sermons and worship services. I believe that. We prayed for it this morning in the prayer room, me, Bill, and John. We believe that God works during sermons. He works during worship services. But where have I seen God work the most, both in my life and in the lives of other people? It's during prayer meetings. It's when we share our faith with people. It's when we're being discipled. It's during these times of intentional times where we're being alone with God or we're with people or we're sharing our faith. Rarely ever do people, you know, I love to preach, but rarely ever do I see somebody walk up to me and be like, wow, pastor, that was an amazing sermon. My life has changed. (laughs) And that's a shot to my ego, but that's just reality. This is 20 minutes. And so I would love to, we would love to, to know more about God. We want to learn more about God. But if we want to grow deeper in our faith, I would challenge each and every one of us to go up to men like Zacchaeus in this story and pray for them, share your faith with them, invite them to church. You want to see God work? Put your faith in action. And that's one of the big things that, that the Bible talks about. The, in the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says, faith without works is dead. And that's one of the temptations that comes with wanting to go deeper or know more intellectually about the Bible or God is that, you know, we actually have to do something. Like if we want to learn more theological words, like we could, we could start a sermon series today on penal substitutionary atonement versus Christus Victus, Christus Victor theory of atonement and how they ontologically affect our ecclesiology and their eschatology. Are you guys bored yet? Yeah, we could do that. But if we're going to do that, we have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Because so quickly can it just become about us and what we want to learn and our personal preferences and what we want to do, yet we forget about God wants to seek and to save the lost people. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to know more about God, one, study the Bible on your own time too. I mean, that's what I do. I, I study, I, I pay $15 a month to take online classes, which is like super cheap, but to take online classes where I'm going through books of the Bible. It, there's so many resources out there that you can do. And if you want to be in a discipleship relationship, if you, want to, if you want to see your faith grow in that way, we have so many spiritual friendships available. Talk to Pastor John. We have a prayer meeting every Tuesday morning where we're praying for our county, our people, our government leaders, our churches, the, the lost people. There are opportunities for you to grow in your faith. And we want to encourage you to get in every single one of them. But we have to be so careful that our mindset here at New Hope Community Church, which You know, this sermon is not out of anger or frustration, but our mindset here at New Hope Community Church, it never shifts from what we are trying to do. We want to be the people who are on mission to do exactly what Jesus did, to seek and to save the lost. And if we want to see our faith grow deeper, I think what oftentimes makes our faith grow deeper, it isn't what we know, it's how we see God working. I remember a couple years ago when our, our first time we brought all of our campuses together for what we call worship together at youth group. And I was like, I was so excited because we had like 180 kids coming. There was pizza, there was games. It was a madhouse in here. I'm telling you guys, so there's a whole reputation that youth groups have like all over the world of like, oh, this is where like all the craziness happens. Like if anything's broken, like blame the youth group. And that's a reputation for a reason. It was nuts in here. You know how many kids came to Christ that night? 24 in one night. That's amazing. 
It wasn't the pizza that was awesome. It wasn't my message that was awesome. No kid walked up after me, you know, after youth group and was like, wow, Justin, I really loved what you said about this. That didn't happen. But where I saw God moving, where I saw the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit just moving, and it was amazing, was when 24 kids came forward to accept Christ that night. This is what we want to see. This is what the story of Zacchaeus is all about. It's not about theological depth and all these things. It is about seeing the power and the presence of God. And what happens is oftentimes when we want to go deeper is it changes our attitudes. We just want to focus on what can we know? How can we know more about God? How can we just know things about God? It He's gone to be the guest of a sinner? Ugh. We look around the room and we think, geez, some messy people in here. That's the attitude we need to avoid as Christians because Jesus never had it. And I remember I attended a church down in Andover for a lot of years. And this is not a, you know, a, a hit on the church. It was more of a hit on the people that were at the church. These, more specifically, these two greeters that were handing out bulletins as people were coming into the worship center. So for you who hand out bulletins, you better watch yourself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I was talking to the youth pastor after church one Sunday, and he was very frustrated. Because as we were walking into the worship center, getting ready for church, he was handed his bulletin, and he could overhear the ushers behind him say about the people that walked in in front of him, wow, that guy looks like he should have been in a bar, not at church. And it was like, seriously? If that's our attitude, what are we doing? If all we want is to look around and see people who are just like us, what are we doing? Our job, our goal, our calling is to reach people who don't, may not even realize that they need a savior, they need Jesus, but our calling is to make sure every single person walks into New Hope Community Church and feels welcome. Not because we want to just be open and inclusive, but because we know that they are children of God and God wants to reach them. He is seeking them and he wants to save them. It is not our job to judge what other people do. It is our job to welcome them and invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Like if you walked into a hospital today and you, were, you had open wounds all over you, you were bleeding, you were all cut up, you walked into a hospital, you said, I need help. And the nurses looked at you like, oof, no, no, no. We don't want any blood on our chairs. We don't want any you know, chaos happening in our lobby. We just need to keep this nice. We need to keep it quiet. We just need to, you know, if you have a, a closed wound, we'll serve you. That doesn't happen. That's insane. Right? It is their job to help you. And more than it is our job, it is our calling. It's our passion. It's what we are here to do as New Hope Community Church. We don't have to love and affirm why people are open wounded and cut up, but it is our job to welcome people and to teach them about Jesus and to invite them into a relationship with them because he is the one that seeks and saves the lost. If we want to see the power of God working, we have to be people who are not like the crowd. In verse three of the story of Zacchaeus, why did Zacchaeus have to climb a tree? We oftentimes think, oh, it's because he was short. Well, can short people see Jesus? I'm 5'9", right? The reason why Zacchaeus could not see Jesus is not just because he was short, it was because there was a whole crowd of people that were in front of him that wouldn't let him get to Jesus. He had to climb a tree. And I don't want Anything to happen like that here at New Hope where we have people who need to climb a tree in order to be noticed by God. We don't ever want to get in the way of people actually seeing and experiencing and being invited into the presence and the power of God. That is our goal here at New Hope Community Church. 
and it pains me to think that, that this could be a reality, but this is what I love about New Hope. We're not perfect, but we're gritty. And in a lot of ways, we do whatever we can to see people meet Jesus because we know what it's like. I mean, think about it in your personal life. The moment that you met Jesus and the, the weight of guilt, the weight of, of sin and shame was lifted off your shoulders and you took on the burden of grace and salvation, that's a pinnacle moment. That's a life-changing moment. We want people to experience that. There were two fish that were swimming in the ocean, two young fish, and they happened to swim by an older fish. And he said, good morning, boys. How's the water? And they said, good, good morning. And as they swam a little bit farther, they said, one of them turned to his friend, and he said, what the heck is water? <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But this is a story that we need to take to heart here at New Hope. Because it pains me to think that one day we could be in a situation where we could look around the room and say, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, life is good. We're comfortable. We're good. We don't even recognize our surroundings anymore. We don't even recognize the fact that we have lost sight of what our calling is. We need to recognize that we are living amongst the presence and the power of God, not just here in this building, but in our own personal lives. And what he has called us to is, yes, to learn and to study, to know more about him, to know him more intimately, but to seek and to save the lost by his power. I want to close this morning with our theme verse here at New Hope Community Church. And as I read this, my prayer, my hope is that this verse reminds you of what God has done for you. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me to bestow on them or me a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, we, will be called oaks of righteousness. This is what God has done for us. And so as Jesus said these words, today salvation has come to this house, I think that these are intimate words between Jesus and Zacchaeus. The moment that he became a saint, went from sinner to saint, this is powerful, but it's also powerful for us. And it's powerful for the crowd and the Pharisees that heard these words firsthand. But as we read, salvation has come to this house. It reminds us of who God is and who Jesus is. That he is a God after broken, sinful, messy people of which every single one of us still is and used to be. You want a deep theological word today? Sanctification. Even if we're Christians, we're still messy, we're still sinful, but we are in the process of being made holy. That's what sanctification means, the process of being made holy. None of us has reached a peak or a point in our lives where we are now able to judge other people for how sinful, how broken, how messy they are. Because God is still doing a work in us. But in this, we are seeing the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. Who he is after are the people who desperately need to be loved and fulfilled by a Savior. Whether they know it or not, they might be searching for it in something else. Whether it's money, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it might be. It is Jesus who brings salvation. It is Jesus who can fulfill us deeper than anything else on this earth. 
And these are the people that Jesus is after. So as we close today, we're going to watch a life story from Francine Berg, who attends our Isani campus. But Francine has a powerful story. Now, a little disclaimer, as we show these, these life story videos, we do this pretty often. The people in the videos are not the main characters. The main characters of their stories is God. It's Jesus. It's what he has done in their lives. You might cross paths with some of these people that we almost put on a pedestal up on the screen and we share their story. You might be like, wow, I know a different person that was on that screen. <laughs> I've had a bad interaction with them. It's not a you know, sanctification. We're all in the process. But what we're trying to highlight as we show these videos is exactly what happened with Jesus and Zacchaeus. These people have encountered God. They've been saved by God. They've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to be encouraged to say what God has done in the life of Francine. Let's watch. Life before Jesus for me was um, a mess. I literally was living in darkness and um, consumed by depression and addiction and I literally would be mad in the morning for God waking me up. I mean, I just, I couldn't go on anymore. I was on my knees and I was crying out to God, finally just saying, why, why, why? You know, why have all these horrible things happened to me? You know, being a victim of abuse and from childhood to adulthood, um, a survivor of suicide and the Holy Spirit, like I said, just came upon me and, and spoke an audible voice. And I, I know I t when I share my testimony and I tell people that, I'm like, they can call me crazy all they want, but it was an audible voice that I heard. And I know God puts people and places in my life and people, after that, a woman came up to me and she prayed for me and just a whole bunch of people just kind of comforted me. And I know if that hadn't happened, I probably would have went home and tried to OD again. I know that Jesus saved me. He's my savior. So um, when I disclosed all my sin to Jesus, um, it was amazing. It was freeing. It was like such a relief that I was searching for so long. Like I struggled to try to hold on for to this world and I held on to those sins and it's like I knew in my heart that he already knew my sins but I couldn't forgive myself more or less how was I going to let God forgive me they see it as a sign of weakness and I tell them that's the strongest thing I've ever done you know was finally surrender to God and you know let him forgive me of my sins um, how I see God transforming my life today is on a daily basis and it's I I just have this joy that I didn't have before, you know, because I was always so consumed by my problems and my worries and my guilt and my shame. And now I have that joy in the morning, even when I go through my struggles and I mean, and the problems that come with this world that we're all gonna still struggle with. Because I always said, I don't do religion. I do a personal relationship with Jesus. And the reason why I don't do religion is because I'm not about the rules and I just feel like people are so judging about, you know, my visible appearance and it's really important to be inviters um, to New Hope and to just spread the good news of Jesus and knowing that everybody is welcome, that he came for us all. I don't just go by saving grace, I go by daily grace now and his plan is better than my plan could ever be.